Welcome to season two of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. You can find out more about me by going to retaildoc.com, where you'll find out I'm one of the foremost experts on brick and mortar retailing. Every week, I invite guests, vendors, and brick and mortar retailers to share their successes and their innovations to make the shopping experience fun. I believe we can change the world by those who are working in shopping and retail, so let's get to our first guest. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Greg Petro. He's CEO of First Insight, and I met him at Shop Talk in Las Vegas recently. He talks about how his company helps entrepreneurs go to market quicker, and especially with Henry's, and he'll define that in the episode, as well as he talks about his early days in retail as a buyer and how racing cars helps him focus. Have a listen. Thanks for joining me today on our podcast. Today I have Greg Petro with First Insight. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Bob. Tell me about your company and what you do. We help retailers, brands, and manufacturers bring the product to market and understand what the consumer is going to do before they make it. Right. So right. we do it pre-season. You test it kind of. Yeah, way. we test products pre-season, help them understand what to manufacture based upon consumer anticipated demand how much they're willing to pay for it, and sort of the uh, segments that it applies. So let's say I'm going to come out with this pen. I come to you. I think this is going to be a great pen. It's going to be made of uh, silk and uh, graphite. And you're like, okay. Fantastic. And I think they're all going to be handmade, $49.95. So I tell you, $49.95. We have a great story. Made by virgins of the south of France who do it under the har- harvest moon. Yeah. All hand branded, hand done. The lettering is just all perfect. So it's I bring this to you. Fantastic looking too, by the way. No, thank you very much. <laughs> and so I hand this to you and I say, now go tell us about what this will do. Is that sure. how it works? It, it is to a degree. I mean, there's, there's uh, substantively more to that in the sense that you need to understand, one, who are you trying to, to, to position this to? Do What's most people know that? They do. They, they understand where they're segmenting in the marketplace and who they're trying to attend to. If they don't, we can help them with that process. So I'd say my pen is a, I think that's me a luxury, sure. it's a luxury purchase. Yeah, so we would be able to help you understand how to test that product for that particular customer segment and even beyond it, right? Uh, at that price point and a range of price points so that we could understand the price elasticity of the product by segment. So essentially how much does the affluent customer right. perhaps make uh, offer for the pen, right? And want to pay as well as the, you know, the, the area called Henry's now. I don't know if you've heard that. I term, haven't heard that one yet. Right, high, uh, high earner, not yet rich. Or not rich I like yet. that. Yeah, Henry's. Okay. So, you know, you so, have the affluent customer or maybe the Henry's and you're trying to segment each of these groups and figure out what's the demand for the pen at that price. So how often would it come back that you would say, holy crap, you could get an extra 10 bucks on this? When we first started doing this, uh, the idea was, are, are consumers actually going to reflect actual pricing? And we've been able to equate the actual sales data to our forecasts. And okay. what we found over a period of time, and we actually share this data as a leading indicator that about now it's about eight to nine percent of the products that we test will reflect a higher price than the ticket or msrp that we're testing in that 
that means that you know roughly eight percent that's a lot of the products yeah are are um demand is higher at that price yeah so what's going to happen to a manufacturer or brand or retailer is they're either going to sell it out at that price because they didn't anticipate that or they could raise the price and the reality though is here's the interesting thing over the last 10 years that's dropped uh three full percentage points from 11 percent, and it's decreasing it hasn't shown mm -hmm. an increase uptick which means it's indicating to us that the companies are not taking enough risks in creating new products that consumers are interested in. So they see it's they already have a prospective idea of what that product is. You just fit into that same category. It's not a game changer. It's not exceptional. And yeah, I think and you're seeing it in the marketplace today, right? Especially with some of the uh, larger brands, it's hard for them to take fundamental risks in products and step outside the bounds mm -hmm. in in their designs. Uh, but yet, what the consumer is thirsting for is differentiated product, and they're willing to pay for it. That's so, why you have these digitally native brands growing yeah. so quickly. Yeah, these micro brands. Right. So would you come back to me and say, you know, that pen just isn't really, we don't think that's really good. We think you really need to, AI tells us, if it was an orange, do you get that graphic, that detailed? Or do you, uh, what's the information that comes back if you, get a stinker and you're like, yeah, this so, is going to fly. So, so the essence is, first of all, we're not, you know, market research in product testing. We use um, marker or reference items, good and bad okay. test performers. And then when a consumer actually is responding, we identify them as a good predictor and then listen to them if they're identified that way accurately within the pen category, let's say, um, and then roll up uh, a couple hundred of those individuals and give you a forecast and the data that comes out of it is fourfold number one it'll be a ranking of that product that says from you know uh, good to medium performer to underperformer in the marketplace or however you want to identify the segments but it'll rank the product it'll it will reflect the pricing the average unit retail or the ASP, depending upon what continent you're on. Um, it will tell you by segment which area of the marketplace has the highest reflection or demand for that product. And then lastly, we will we'll be able to reflect to you up a quantity uh, that is likely to be consumed. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Product, right? So in the essence, uh, we're trying to give you the answers that I think most people are looking for, which is which are the right products to bring to market for the segment, at what price and at what yeah. quantity depths for us to make our margin or financial goals. Before we ever order it in. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's and, kind of yeah. important. And if you think about it, we're doing it in design phases as early as 3D CADs, it's nine uh, months, 12 months, 18 months out, depending upon the product life cycle. Now, I understand that you also are for, formerly a merchant. Yeah, I was. So I started my career in the mid-80s at May Company. I was a Broadway uh, guy. All right. You must have been Southern that. California was, or something. I was uh, just talking to some folks, uh, former alums from Kaufman's in Pittsburgh. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was there, and I worked also at Lazarus Department Stores in okay. Columbus, Ohio. And then... Uh, Were you in the buying department? Was it... I, was, uh, I started out as an assistant uh -huh. buyer, the, the merchant That's training the program at right. May Company. And then, actually... 
Did that for a number of years, ran, then went into distributional logistics, oddly enough. Ran store operations, uh, oh, okay. was a divisional. So ran a uh, cost lease division. So I've wow quite a number of areas of the operation. You've got a lot of it. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. And um, what what does um, when things get because uh, you're in a pretty dynamic, fast moving area. So when things get kind of overwhelming, how do you pull back from that? How do you find your center again, or you just go go go? For me, yeah, personally, well, you know, I think that um, it's absolutely necessary for anybody to have time, right? So one of the aspects to reflect is that uh, I actually race cars. I know Seriously? that doesn't sound like a downtime. No, yeah. I, How cool I, is that? It is. It's a lot of fun. I um, I got my racing license uh, two years ago, and have been racing vintage Grand Prix. Oh my actually gosh! Wrecked the car last year. Flipped it over. That was interesting. But. Um, it's certainly. But aren't you the CEO and president of the company? I, I am. And uh, aren't they a little nervous? Like, strap yourself in. Or well, you padding? know, it's measured risk. <laughs> but the reality is, it does take you away because if you don't focus, bad things are going to happen. Right, right. So, and there's a lot to that, right? I mean, obviously, you have to pay attention to the details. You have to focus, but it teaches you a lot about business. I, yeah. I recognized when I was going through my. Um, training as a race car driver that one I thought as a leader my vision was pretty broad and then I realized you know when you're racing an open wheel race car like a uh, not that I've raced the Indy cars but uh, okay. a car that's very similar in, in shape and size um, your vision is a lot broader than you think right and you got to pay attention to a lot of stuff around you so you know? how do, I just have to go now you've given me this whole side light that I wasn't expecting to go after so how do you just wake up one day and say I'm going to go race cars and then you go to school for it there's actually a school for this and then you get your own car how does yeah, that work yeah right so it's uh, I think it's if you have the passion for something you yeah. obviously pursue it right and so for me I've always enjoyed cars and I thought to myself that it was something that I could be good at um so a few years ago, I set off to, you know, I was very pragmatic, um, get a lot of instruction, do a lot of training, and then go for the licensing. So that's what I did. And then, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago, got an opportunity quite fortuitously to pick up a car. And, um, you know, it was just off to the races from there, I guess. So what's the car? A Trans Am? What was it? It's a, uh, it's a, actually, it's called a Turner. They're, they're small, uh, handmade manufactured cars from London, England, or not outside of London, okay. um, that were made in the 60s. And so I raced that as well as um, some other cars, but uh, my, my That's car- That's your car. Yeah, my car's a Turner, so. Uh, it's so cool. Yeah, well, fun and exciting. That is cool. Jeez. I- I'm a conductor. That's about all I, I t- I'm always telling people what to do in my life. That's about my thing. So um, tell, me, uh, tell me something good about retail. What do you like about it? You've been in it a long time. My goodness, yep. you've seen an awful lot of it. I do. Uh, I, I see a lot in retail. I'm very fortunate in the sense that I get to meet a lot of um, CEOs and uh, at the same time observe what I think is an environment that we're in right now that is super exciting. You know, in, in my 30 plus years in this industry, I don't think I've seen an opportunity in front of us as an industry um, that is both challenging, but at the same time, 
represents probably the greatest opportunity I've ever seen. And that, and that I mean this, the consumer is at the most dynamic point in the industry right now. Uh, he and she are changing at a, at a, at a just enormously fast click. And at the same time, I think technology is evolving very, very rapidly. And, you know, ever since the smartphone came out, I think it's basically changed the whole dynamics of how organizations behave related to technology. It's, we're in a highly disruptive state, which represents enormous risk and enormous opportunity. And for me, that's, that's a fun place to be, being an entrepreneur, being a risk taker, somebody who enjoys that type of environment. Um, and to that point, I see these micro, as you said, digitally native brands. Mm -hmm represent enormous upside yeah. and growth for this industry at the same time and companies that are are smart enough anticipatory enough to the challenges that are being faced in the industry and ready to take measured risk are going to win yeah i would agree with you right I, um i thought so, it was interesting the mattel guy uh, the ceo of mattel uh, richard um had talked about they now see themselves an ip company Mm -hmm. And we're going to just find ways to tell our story and the toys are secondary. And that's pretty smart. You're going to go back and mine the, the, these brands vetted for 50, 60 years and find a new way to do it. Well, that's quite a lot of risk because yeah. you could have said we're in the toy business. Right. I mean, just think about the idea that um, a company is looking at intellectual property as a differentiator, right? At the same time, I think you have companies that have an opportunity are sitting on such great assets, right? I think store organizations represent a great asset if leveraged the appropriate way. That's the question though, yeah, isn't it? But I think it, represent, it, it, it requires a company to be creative, yeah. right? And, and I don't know that there are leaders at, at this point that are prepared for the amount of disruption that is going to happen and their thoughtfulness about how to approach it. So they've got to take a unique approach, right? Um, and I think there's going, they can win and we're, we're seeing it now. Absolutely. So pretty well, good. Stuff. Well, thanks for being on my podcast today, Greg. My pleasure. Thank All right, you. man. Thanks. That brings us to the close of another episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm Bob Vibbs, your host, known as The Retail Doctor, based in the United States. Tune in next week when we have another set of movers, shakers, influencers, vendors, and brick-and-mortar retailers, all there to make you a smarter retailer. <laughs>